This podcast will be one of the most important, one of the most critical podcasts on faithbyreason.net because in this podcast, we will talk about the motivation behind all of our desires, not just our individual desires, but every desire we have as human beings, be it as a group, as a family, as a community, as a political party, as a nation, as a state, all of our desires, everything that we strive for as human beings comes down to one thing, our desire to get back what we lost when we fell from Eden. Everything that we desire, everything that we strive for, everything we try to attain, again, be it your individual goals and desires for a great life and a great family or any type of organization that you're involved with that's trying to save the world or save your community or or create a utopian perfect government or a perfect society. All of those desires come back to Eden because what we all desire collectively and individually is to return back to what we lost in Eden because we were made for Eden. We were fine-tuned. We were created. We were hardwired for Eden. And when we lost Eden, we lost our greatest desire. And every desire we have now, no matter what it is, what really hides behind that desire is the true need and want and desire to get back to Eden. And we will talk about that on this week's episode of the Faith by Reason podcast. Welcome to the podcast. The website behind it all is faithbyreason.net. There you will find the blog and the podcast and a ton of just great information. So please check it out. Please also subscribe to Faith by Reason by uh, just putting your email into the area in the right navigation bar and you will get the podcast and the blog when they are published. So uh, this podcast will wrap up our look, our examination of the first dispensation, the dispensation of innocence of Eden, of Adam and Eve and original sin that that we've been talking about the uh, last several weeks. And this podcast will wrap it up by just giving us a view into what our heart's greatest desire truly is. And again, the motivation behind everything we long for, all of our goals, hopes, and aspirations, no matter how varied they are, and no matter what religious or non-religious or faith-based or non-faith-based traditions you might adhere to or anyone you know adheres to, it all comes down to the same thing. Whether you are Christian, Muslim, Jewish, atheist, anything else, we all have a deep, deep heartfelt desire to be in Eden. And even we may not acknowledge it, we may not even know it, especially if you're an atheist or an agnostic, you may not even um, acknowledge that what you're desiring is Eden, but it's true. That's what everything that we desire, that we strive for, that's what it really is. When you strip everything away, no matter what it is, be it your political aspirations, again, whether it be your your aspiration for your, for your, for your society, for your family, for your personal goals, it really all comes down to the idea that we lost Eden. And we want to get Eden back. And that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast. And it's extremely important because if you if you understand what I'm covering, what I'll be covering in this podcast, you will truly have a, a deep understanding of why we all do what we do. And I it, it think it's a pretty amazing and important thing to, to, to realize. I think it'll be really, really eye opening. So um, sit back, relax, and let's talk about it. In, in the last podcast, we uh, talked about 
the judgments that God rendered to uh, Adam and Eve and the serpent of the Nakash. And you, you can go back to that podcast if you want the, the details. But the summary um, of the judgments were perpetual dissatisfaction. That's what they were cursed with. That's what they were judged with. Man would have the men throughout uh, for the rest of history would have perpetual dissatisfaction with their role as a provider. They have dissatisfaction with their role as the authority figure. We would no longer be perfect providers. We would no longer have perfect authority over our lives. Women were cursed with perpetual dissatisfaction in their relationships, be it be their um, their familiar familial relationships, romantic relationships, all um, emotional relationships. They would have perpetual dissatisfaction. And as for the serpent of the, the or the nakash, it would have dissatisfaction. What it wanted because the serpent wanted. Man subservient, it, subservience. It wanted to be the new god of over man, but not only would uh, Satan or the Nakash never get that, he would also long for man's death, which is you know kind of unfortunate. If you want someone to serve you and you want them dead at the same time, that's going to uh, be a bit of a, of a conflict to deal with. But why why would God curse man, woman, and to a lesser extent the the serpent with? perpetual dissatisfaction i mean it seems kind of cruel isn't it to to have to that curse to, to curse someone to always be dissatisfied with their lot in life no matter what well actually that curse even though it was a judgment and a just judgment which again we talked about in the last podcast it was actually a loving thing for god to do it was a loving and merciful thing for god to do even though it was a judgment and a curse why well we'll talk about that um uh, towards the end of this podcast but in order to truly understand what we lost at Eden, let's look at what Eden was like really briefly. Again, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, check out the um, previous podcast to get a full scope of it. But in Eden, man and woman, Adam and Eve, they were the kings and the queens of the earth. That was our that was their role. That was our destiny as as their children were to be the kings and queens of the earth. We were made in the well, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. That image was obviously supposed to be passed on to us perfectly if, if things had worked out. But of course, being made in the image of God doesn't mean that you know we look like God. God has two arms and legs and hair like us. No, he's a spirit. No, uh, being made in the image of God means uh, linguistically is we, we were God's image bearers. We were we bore his image on earth. We were meant to be God's earthly representatives. So when anything in creation saw us, they saw God. They were supposed to obey us, Adam and Eve and man, all of us, the way they obeyed God. We were supposed to be, again, the kings and queens of the earth. Creation was supposed to obey us as if we were the creator. That is what that is the authority that God gave Adam and Eve. That's what in, in what we were supposed to have and what we were made to have. We were, in essence, created for Eden. And even though it's been obviously thousands of years since Eden, our genetics, genetically, we are still, genetically and spiritually, we were still optimized for Eden. In our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our bodies were optimized to the reality that Adam and Eve lived in. We did not lose that at the at the fall because it, it's core to who we are. And and what was that like? Well, they had in Eden there was perfect government. And that government, in a sense, was you know the, the hierarchy. God was over everything. Um, Adam was after was second to God, um, so God instructed Adam. Adam instructed Eve. That was a hierarchy, not because Adam was better than Eve or because men are better than women. That's not the point. The point is that God is a God of order and of hierarchy, and that governmental structure was God was number one, Adam was number two, Eve was number three, 
and all of creation obeyed Adam and Eve equally, the kings and queens of the earth. And there was no, so there was perfect government, perfect governmental structure. There was also perfect fellowship, perfect fellowship with God and with man. Man, man walked with God. Adam and Eve walked with God. And that doesn't mean they just just physically, you know, walked up and down the, <laughs> the street of, of the streets of the garden with God. Walking with God, as, as we know, as a Christian, we talk about our Christian walk. What it means is that you are an intimate connection with God. And Adam and Eve had the most intimate connection with God. They had moment by moment communication with God and they lost that. We talked about that um, in the uh, in the last podcast. So they had perfect fellowship and perfect fellowship with each other because God gave Adam perfect information Adam gave Eve perfect information, and since it was perfect, there was there was there was, and there was no flaw in it. So they, so Adam and Eve related to each other perfectly, and that's what it, that's we had perfect fellowship, and there was perfect provision. Adam and Eve had all the food and water they could want, and they didn't have to work for it. They would just pick it off of a tree, and whatever they wanted to eat, they were they were never longing for food. They were never wondering where their next meal would come from. It was never even a thought that had to cross their mind because the food was everywhere, and they could eat freely of it, except obviously the the, the forbidden fruit. But that's the world we were built for. That's the world we were made for: perfect government, perfect fellowship, perfect provision. And obviously, we don't have that. Everything we have in that sense is imperfect. We have imperfect government, and I don't really think I need to elaborate on that. Just you know, look at the at, at the news. Look at what's going on in our government now, or any government that's ever happened since the beginning of time has been imperfect, and some of them have been horribly flawed. And we know that. I mean, look at here in the United States, our Congress. We have a they have a twenty percent less than a twenty percent approval rating. Yet somehow we they keep getting in office, but we don't like our government. No one likes their government. Our government is completely imperfect, full of unfortunately corrupt people. We'll get into that later when we talk about human government. But our government's imperfect. Our fellowship with God is imperfect. For most of us, if you're not a Christian, you have no fellowship with God whatsoever. So that's not optimal. You're not getting any wisdom and guidance and grace from God. But even uh, those of us who are Christians, even though we are in, in, even though we have access to God, unlike any other um, dispensation, it's still not perfect because we still have sin in our lives and we still have our own minds and we don't walk with God perfectly. We do the best we can, hopefully, but our our communication with God is not perfect. Sometimes we feel God is silent. It's not because God is silent. We hear that all the time. Well, I can't hear from God. Well, if you can't hear from God, it's because you're not listening correctly. God is always trying to speak to you as a Christian. But because of our fallen nature, which we still have, even if you're a Christian, we cannot commune perfectly with God the way Adam and Eve did. And we don't have perfect provision. We know that. I can't go outside and you know get a steak dinner anytime I want. No, anything I, I get, I have to work for. Even, you know, I can't just go and pick fruit off a tree, you know, unless I plant the tree and water it and, and nurture it and keep birds and insects away from it. So even though everything we have provision-wise is not readily there, we have to work and struggle for it. And that is part of the curse. But the problem is we want those things. We all long for that perfect fellowship, perfect government, perfect provision. But the thing is, we don't just long for it. We don't just want it. We expect it. We, deep down, we expect to have all of those things. And if we don't have them perfectly, we are perpetually dissatisfied. We have that dissatisfaction. Even if you have a lot of some of them, you don't have it perfectly. Even if you if you have a lot of money and you have a lot of provision, well, you don't have, you still don't have perfect provision. You still have to go out and, and, and get what you need to get. You, you, no matter what you have, it's not perfect. And what we want, what we expect is perfection and we don't get it and that 
that that just uh, hurts us to our core that we don't get what we expect to have. When we fell, when Adam and Eve fell, we lost all of it. We we are really deposed monarchs, we, but we still have the royal aspirations. We are like a, a king and queen who's been kicked off their throne, but they still know that they were born to be kings and queens. Uh, maybe I'll put it a way that it might be a little easier to understand. Imagine if you were born rich and you lived, say, you know, a few decades of your life to in your 30s or 40s as a rich person where you had you lived in a huge house and you had houses. You had all the cars you could ever want. You could go anywhere you want, do anything you want. You never had to worry about provision or money or anything like that. And then you lost it all. You lost everything. What would your life be like? Well, now, instead of having everything you want when you want it, you'd have to struggle for it. You're living in an apartment. You're living on a budget. You, you, you know, you don't go out and eat in fancy restaurants now. Now you eat in Burger King and McDonald's. And yeah, you're getting by. You're still making it. But you still know deep down that you were born to be rich. You lived your life that way. It's what you were used to. It's what you expected. You expected to have servants, not to serve yourself. You expected to have you know, steak and lobster for every meal, not you know burgers and fries. So even though you're getting by, you still know that deep down in your core, you expect better because that's what you were used to. That's what you were born to. And we're all the same way. We struggle to get by. We go to our jobs. We, you know, we go to our to school. We drive here and there. We, you know, we, we go to the store and get our food and cook it. But even if we're doing okay with that, it's still not perfect. It's not what we were made for, and it still leaves us dissatisfied. So even if you're a rich person, I mean, Bill Gates still longs for stuff. You know, Warren Buffett still has longings, even though we think they have everything. You know, him and other celebrities and rich folk, we would think they would have everything they want. They would have no aspirations, but they still do. Why? Because no matter how much money and fame and power they get, it's still not perfect and we were not made to have a lot we were not made to have abundance we were made to have perfection and that's why we asked the question that started this whole blog and podcast which is what's the point we asked that question what's the point because we know that we were made for something more than what our lives are like now whether you are dirt poor or filthy rich you are still longing for something you still want to know what's the point and and part of the answer what's the point is getting back to eating but i'm getting ahead of myself the bottom line is we don't want to struggle. We want perfection. We don't want to work. Even if you have a, a job that you like, you still don't want to work. You, you know, Even if you do something that you enjoy for a living, you still got to get up and drag yourself out of bed and, you know, and, and get to work somehow and deal with traffic and whatever. You still don't want to do. You don't want to do that. That is not optimal. And if, even if your life is good enough, good enough is not what we want. We want perfection and anything short of that is going to lead, lead, uh, leave us dissatisfied. So what do we do? Well, what we do is we try to use our, our personal abilities and talents to make the world as close to Eden as we can in our personal lives. We talked about this way, way back in the very first podcast, maybe actually the second podcast, the What's the Point podcast is we go out and we try to earn more money and we try to get a bigger house and a better car and a better spouse and better kids and a better life. We keep struggling and striving. And even no matter how much we, we get, it's never enough because, again, it's not perfection. And then we, we extrapolate it out to our, our entire worldview. And we look at what we, how to shape the whole world into what we want because we don't just want that perfection in our own lives. We want that perfection 
everywhere, worldwide. And that's what leads to all the different uh, political philosophies, be it communism, Nazism, um, egalitarianism, uh, plutocracies, technocracies, all these different types of governments and social structures that people, be they rich or poor, be it influential types or just, you know, regular Joes, we try to create our utopian world where everything works, where we get everything we want, where everyone obeys everyone else, that we have perfect fellowship with each other, that we have that perfect government, that we have perfect provision, and all of these different social experiments and worldviews are, are all there, or, or, or have all been created in order to try to get us to that state of Eden. That's what it's all about. Communists want Eden. Nazis <laughs> want Eden. Um, Democrats want Eden. Republicans want Eden. Conservatives want Eden. Liberals want Eden. You know, libertarians. No matter who that you are, you all want. We all want Eden, and we can't get it because here and here is the core. Here's the key. We want Eden, but we want it without God. Let me say that again because that is really the key to our frustration. We want to have perfect government, perfect provision, and perfect fellowship. But because we're fallen, we want it without God. Why? Because again, we are born, we are designed, we are genetically predisposed to be kings and queens. But we were supposed to be kings and queens with God. But since we fell and we are no longer connected with God, we want to be kings and queens without God. We don't want God to tell us what to do. We want to have perfect fellowship, but we want perfect fellowship with each other, but not with God. We don't want God there because if if God is there, then God is the king over us. And we don't want that. That's part of our pride, our fallen humanity. And when you think about it, that is really the core of every aspiration of any world leader, any groups of world leaders, any any type of plutocracy, they want, they're trying to create Eden without God. Hitler was trying to do it. Genghis Khan was trying to do it. The Caesars are trying to do it. The, all the, 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 the leader, the, the Persian emperors were trying to do it. The, um, the Greek kings were trying to, the, the Egyptians, every society that ever thought they could have an empire and rule the world were trying to create Eden without God. They were trying to create the perfect human government where they could provide perfect provision, perfect um, fellowship, and again, perfect government, but they wanted it without God. And of course, they all fail because you cannot have perfection without God. But that is really the core of every longing. And if you look at the longings we have now that we're trying to create, again, we talked about Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, environmental, uh, technocrats, uh, religious fundamentalists. There's another good one. They're, everyone is trying to create that Eden, but they want to do it without God. And it just can't happen without God. So what's the answer? Well, in the beginning of this podcast, I talked about the fact that God cursed man and woman with perpetual dissatisfaction. And I said it wasn't cruel. It was actually loving and merciful. You see, God is not indifferent to our plight. He understands why we long for Eden he, because he made us that way. He understands that longing. He's not indifferent to it. But the reason he gave us perpetual dissatisfaction was so that we would try to have Eden without him. And that we would fail. He wanted us to fail to have Eden without him so that we would hopefully logically realize that we can't have Eden without God and would turn to God. So God giving us this perpetual dissatisfaction was his way of getting us to realize that we needed him. 
that we, so that we would turn to him because he is the only way we could have that the perfection that we're looking for. Because it, even if we had eaten, even if we were able to achieve it, and in the third dispensation, which obviously we'll talk about two dispensations from now, they came close. They came very close to having um, that godless Eden. But of course, it, you can only get so close without God, they can never get there. But even if they were to somehow get it, without God, you would still have death. We talked about what life and death is. Life is the ability to repair. And you can't perfectly repair without God. And you can go back to that podcast on life and death and, and look at why. But even if we were able to achieve it, we would not have perfection because we would still die. Um, I, I talked about in uh, when we talked about the, the the part of the curse was that in addition to being kicked out of Eden, um, which as part of the curse, Adam and Eve would also had the the way to the tree of life blocked. Remember, and back to the to the life and death podcast, we talked about the fact that the tree of life must have offered some type of physical repair. If you ate that fruit, you would live forever. And God blocked the way to the tree of life because if He didn't. Adam and Eve could have gotten to the tree of life and and lived forever in their sin. And so so even though they would be physically alive, they would be spiritually dead. And God was too merciful to allow them to ever eat of that tree and spend eternally, eternity spiritually dead. God wants us to seek him so that we can be a part of his plan, so that we can be with him eternally and live in true perfection, not any facade of perfection. Okay, so a couple other points I want to hit. Um, there in the blog post that's uh, um, that relates to this subject is called Jonesing for Eden, and I use the term Jonesing. Uh, the term Jonesing or to Jones for something is is slang for when you are a drug addict and you want your next fix. You know, you're you're Jonesing for a hit, and I did not use that title um, haphazardly. It was it was intentional, and the reason is that. We are, you could say, technically say, we're we're addicted to Eden, or we're addicted to the idea of Eden, and it's no, it's not that much different than the that addiction that any drug user or alcoholic has. When you use a drug, what happens is your body, you get into this euphoric state. Be it, um, you know, no matter what drug you use, it, you use it to es- escape this the cruel world we live in. It actually, you know, when using drugs is a, is one of the ways we try to we try to get eaten. We, we we take ecstasy, you take cocaine, you take LSD, whatever drug, whatever drug you choose to take. Hopefully you're not taking any, but people use drugs when they're taking the drugs. They have this feeling of total euphoria where everything is great and everything is beautiful and it's wonderful. And it's 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 their way of getting to Eden. But of course, the drug is temporary and they crash and they need more of the drug. And it's the same way when we are trying to get eaten by ourselves. We, we we can get close. You know, we can have our great vacation. We can have our, our you know, we, we can, you know, support a great cause. It seems like it's really doing great for the world, but it's never going to get you quite there. You're always going to be disappointed. That high you get is never going to get you to eat. So what do you do? You double down. You have to take a bigger dose. You, you give more money to your political campaign. You take more powerful drugs. You, again, we talked about it in, in the What's the Point podcast. You want to get a better job. You want to get more money. You want to get a better spouse. You keep trying and thinking you're, you're getting closer and closer to that ultimate high, but you never quite get there because you can't get there on your own. And when you realize that, you have that disappointment and that's when the crash comes in. And it's just a never-ending cycle that's cruel that God wants us out of. And that's the whole point of this perpetual dissatisfaction that will drive us 
to the one person, the one entity that can truly get us there. And that's why it's truly unfortunate if you're a part of a different faith tradition or if you're an atheist agnostic, because you're going to live the rest of your life in that perpetual dissatisfaction, never, uh, never, ever getting the real thing, but always taking the quote unquote drug of Eden that never gets you truly to Eden. All right. So I'm going to end the podcast with one more subject, and that is something I, I promised to address. Um, several podcasts ago earlier in the year when we talked about why there's evil in the world why would a good god allow evil and the answer to that question was pretty obvious that the reason that there's evil in the world is not because of god it's because of man the man's free will is what allows evil in the world and i mean intentional evil everything that's intentionally done that's harmful from one man to another is done by another man or woman you know be it you know murder rape uh, uh, selling drugs, abusing someone, sexually harassing someone, all these things, you, you name it, every evil that's ever been committed in the world has been committed by a human being. God hasn't committed evil against anyone ever. God's never raped anyone. He's never murdered anyone. He's never, he's never sold drugs to anyone. He's never sex trafficked anyone. He's never assaulted anyone. It's all, it's all us. It's all humanity. We're the reason that intentional evil happens. And that, you know, that takes care of that. But what about the unintentional evil or destruction? What about things that happen that man has nothing to do with? We're, you know, things like earthquakes and, you know, and tsunamis and tidal waves and tornadoes and, you know, getting trampled by a moose or something. These are all things that can happen to you that can happen without any input necessarily from any human being. What about those things? Aren't they destructive? And in fact, when you buy a home, and you have you have an insurance policy. One of the things that the insurance policy covers or, or doesn't cover, depending on your policy, is something that they call acts of God. And when they say acts of God, they mean again natural disasters, you know, uh, fires, earthquakes, floods, things like that. Why do we call them acts of God? Well, because we assume that anything that happens beyond the control of man must be God. You know, that evil overlord God causing the tidal waves to crash and the tsunamis to come in and the earthquakes. That's not accurate at all. God does not intentionally cause those destructive things to happen arbitrarily. And here's, but they do happen. Why do they happen? Well, because we have to understand something about the fall. When the fall happened, when Adam and Eve sinned, when original sin came into the world, it didn't just affect humanity. It affected all of creation. In fact, if you look at Oh, Romans chapter one, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, because it's really well, the book of Romans is one of my favorite books in the Bible, because it's really Paul, one of the you know most intelligent men who ever walked the earth. He gives the book of Romans, at least the first you know, 10, 12 chapters is Paul giving his systematic theology. I mean, if you ever want to understand everything from from top to bottom, just read the first half of the book of Romans and it will explain everything from the beginning of creation all the way through, you know, as it in a succinct manner, which is you know, great for Paul, because Paul isn't known for being a very succinct person. But he, in the first half of Romans, he basically gives his systematic theology. It's amazing. But in towards the end of, of, of Romans chapter 1, actually towards the middle to the end, Paul talks about how all of creation, not just is longing for the redemption that Jesus promised, the redemption, get, getting back to Eden, where, where the world is redeemed. You see, we think about our personal redemption as human beings when we will, you know, cast off this, you know, decaying mortal body and we'll get, you know, the, we'll, we'll you know, be in heaven and we'll be in perfection and we'll, we'll be in God's plan. But we are, we human beings are not the only ones who are longing for that redemption where we're, you know, out of this corrupt body and into an incorruptible um, body in existence. Paul says in Romans 1 that all of creation is groaning 
for the revelation of, of Christ and of the sons of God, that being Christians, so that they can be redeemed. Why would creation want to be redeemed? Well, because creation experienced the, uh, the fall just like man did. Um, uh, Chuck Missler calls it the bondage of decay. And what it's basically saying is that when Adam and Eve fell, it wasn't just them. It was on a, a, a basically a, a universe-wide phenomenon where all of creation began to decay. Um, it's theorized that the second law of thermodynamics, and we talked about this in the uh, third and fourth um, podcast, which the second law of thermodynamics basically says that over time everything breaks down. All of creation started to suffer from the second law of thermodynamics, of entropy. All of creation began to break down. And be, and they became became more chaotic. Remember, um, we went from order to chaos. Chaos is not something that exists on its own. God did not create the world chaotic. We talked about this in the um, in podcast number um, ten or eleven. God did not create the world in, in chaos. God created the world orderly. The world became chaotic once sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into the world, all of creation, the the mountains and the trees and the birds and the bees, and the weather patterns, all of that became more and more chaotic. So that's why all these natural disasters happened, because the world became chaotic. Things were not orderly anymore. So now you're having tidal waves and you're having earthquakes and you're having you know, uh, wildfires and, and floods and things like that. That's not the way the world wasn't made. God did not make the world to have natural disasters occur. So instead of calling them um, acts of God, it should more be they should more accurately be called on your insurance papers um, results of Adam. Because Adam's sin brought the whole world into chaos because Adam was the image bearer. Adam and Eve were the image bearers. They were supposed to control things the way God did. And when they lost that, when they fell, they lost everything. And one last point I'll, I'll get to before we go wrong. It's at the bottom of the hour. Not only when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't just lose their role as the kings and queens of the earth. They didn't just lose it. That role was usurped from them. It was taken from them, and it now belongs to someone else. It belongs to Satan and his minions. Satan is now the person who, or the entity, that is the um, prince of this world. That's what he's called in, in, I believe, in Corinthians. He is called the prince of this world. That is his legal tie. He has legal authority to the earth. Adam gave it up. He gave it up to Satan by obeying Satan. Instead of obeying God, he obeyed Satan. And he gave away his rulership. And we don't have it anymore. The world does not obey us. Now, it doesn't obey Satan either, but Satan still has legal authority to it. And, and Jesus took that authority back um, on the cross, which you know we can, well, we can look at that up on the blog. We'll talk about it, obviously, down the road a bit. And he will eventually come and reclaim the earth. But the earth is under Satan's sway because Adam lost that. And that's another thing that we long for. Okay, so um, that's going to wrap up this podcast. Um, I think it was extremely important information. If you, again, if you can grasp this, you will start to really understand all the motivations that everyone has, be they religious or secular. We all have those same motivations, those same longings, and that same perpetual dissatisfaction. If you understand this podcast, you'll understand why these rich people who um, are part of all these, you know, be, I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but you talk about all these different secret societies and that some are real, some are imagined. But they are an, a, a ruling elite of, of people who are very wealthy, who have tons of influence over our government, over tons of other governments, 
Why are they trying to do what they're trying to do? Why do they care? Why can't they just live in their in their big houses and, and do their own thing and not care about the rest of us? Why are they trying to manipulate and engineer the world? Um, and why do they want to rule the world? They want to rule it because they want Eden. And we're going to talk about this a lot more in upcoming podcasts as we, as we talk about um, uh, subsequent dispensations, especially the third dispensation. We'll talk a lot about a ton about human government and about the people who really run things behind the scenes. Again, not going to get too conspiratorial. That's that, that's not the point of this podcast, but it's really important to understand that what they, they do. The, well, so we'll understand the what that of, of what they do in a future podcast. But this podcast is all about the why. This is why they want to do it. They want to bring about Eden without God. So just keep that in mind. Man's goal is to have Eden without God. And it's led to all the wars and conflicts and genocides that that you can think of. They all come down to, to that fact. Eden without God. You can't have it. And God doesn't want us doesn't want us to have it, which is why he gives us that longing with the hope that he turned that we will turn to him. But unfortunately, if we don't turn to him, we're going to turn to ourselves and each other. And, you know, there's, that's why there's so much suffering in the world. It all comes down to that. OK, so that's going to wrap up our discussion of the first dispensation. So now we're going to talk about the second dispensation in the next podcast. And to set it up, we let's just do a quick review. So, again, the dispensations are God's contrastive way of proving that his plan for humanity is the only one that works, that's right and just. And he's and he's doing that by giving man every opportunity to choose God on his own. And he does that with different scenarios that, that I'm calling dispensations. In the first dispensation, the question was, if man was completely innocent without any knowledge of good and evil, would man choose God over himself? Would he choose God's plan on his own? Well, the answer was obviously no. So in the second dispensation, the question is going to be kind of the opposite. Okay, in the first dispensation, man had no knowledge. But what if man had time to amass tons of knowledge? What if man lived a really, really long time and was able to just amass tons and tons of knowledge? If having no knowledge didn't lead to God, what if having massive amounts of knowledge, would that lead to God? Well, that's going to be the question that is asked and answered in the second dispensation. And we're going to start talking about it in the next podcast. All right. Um, thanks for listening. Um, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Um, just go into the upper left-hand corner there. You'll see the area where you can put your, your um, email in and you'll get the uh, podcast whenever, when, as soon as they come out. And uh, follow me on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. And um, also... Again, send your comments, any questions, comments you have. I'd love to hear them. And until next time, um, have a good day and I will talk to you soon.